S-A-F-E, an acronym, and the S stands for secure, the A and, the F for firmly, and the E for established. So secure and firmly establish. We're going to be talking about Psalms 91 for the next three Sundays, but uh, 21 years ago today was 9-11, and uh, one of the most tragic events in our history. Um, you know, and the sad thing is something, not to be pessimistic, but I, I read this article one time, the, the security of a nation. They said they have to be right 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. They cannot mess up one time of all of the uh, people that would try to do some terrorist act in our nation. And, uh, and I'm thankful for that. But for me and my house, I want to trust God. You know, I'm thankful for all of our security. Aren't you thankful for the security of this nation, man? I'm telling you. I think we have one of the greatest military, the, the greatest police force, fire department, all of the um, civil, what's the terminology? Service, thank you, the, that uh, re first responders and all of that. Uh, and many people on 9-11 lost their lives trying to rescue trying to rescue. And so um, it, it's, I'm not trying to be ooky spooky spiritual, but you know, you, it's 9-11, and if you ever have an emergency, you, what do you dial? 9-1-1. And so in Psalms, 9-1-1, 91-1, I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, <clears throat> I thought that was pretty neat. Psalms 91-1, 9-11. Do I need a chalkboard up here and draw you a picture? Some of you are like, what is he talking about? Anyway, this is, I'm going to read the whole chapter, but this is 91.1. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Going back to verse 1, if we could pull up verse 1 again. Verse 1 says that 
he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells, that word dwells, the, the root word of that means to sit. He who sits. You could say he who sits in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who sits. Well, what, what would be the secret place? You know, I mean, we got to get into the secret place. The Old Testament saints, they could just look forward what the secret place is. We have the reality of the secret place, and that secret place is Christ. It's Jesus. He who sits in Jesus. He who sits. Let's just read it again. He who dwells or sits in Jesus or is in Christ. Paul teaches over and over again on this. Dwelling in Christ. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. So the root word that comes from uh, the word heal, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He's my refuge, my fortress, and God I trust. If you keep going on down, it talks about healing in this chapter. And again, that word heal, it just means to relax. You know, for most of my walk with God, I've always been anxious to make sure that I'm trying to please God, trying to be, cross all of the T's, dot all of the I's. And, you know, I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm right. And, you know, when I was a teenager, I realized I couldn't do that, so I didn't want to have anything to do with God. You ever been there? I, I can't be good enough, so why even have a relationship with God? Did you know that's what the devil would love Christians and the people of the world, as far as that goes, to think? I can't, I can't be good enough, and I'm, you know, I'm, I just mess up too much, and I have too many issues. You know what? Everybody has issues. If you're looking for a pastor that doesn't have issues, good luck with that. We all have issues. But this is what God wants us to know. He wants you to get to know him like you would one of your best friends. One of your best friends. This has just really been a prayer of mine here lately. Well, on and off. But here lately especially, Lord, I just want to get to know you as a friend. To get to know you as a friend. I want to have a revelation of Sitting in Christ. Paul prayed that in Ephesians, the Ephesian prayers, that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened that I may know. God wants you to know. He wants you to know a lot of things about Jesus. One of the greatest things he wants you to know is the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height of his love, of his love for you. So we are seated right now in the heavenly places in Christ. And I know, you know, this... Doesn't really make sense, but you know, a lot of things on this planet doesn't make sense. You know, I, I just can't understand still to this day how I can take my iPhone out and push a, a place on this, the top right in the corner of the, and it takes me to a, a page. And then when it opens up to that page, I press the exact same place and it takes me someplace else. How can that be? I mean, is it, it makes you just think, is there some little person inside of my phone? He just, you remember the old uh, telephone operators? 
You know, they're sitting at this big switchboard, and they have these big quarter-inch plugs. They're going, I'm on the operator, and, you know, I don't know why they always talk like that, but they do. But anyway, and then they, when you give them the number, they push it in, plug it in there, and then you can talk. Anyway, I don't know why I said any of that, but anyway, uh, where are we getting off on that? Knowing your identity, knowing who you are in Christ. Most people look to others. Listen to me. This is a statement. Most people, all of us from time to time, look to other people to define us. That's the worst thing we can do. You know why? You know how they're going to define you? By your actions and what you've done. May not have anything to do with you. One day you could just be in a bad mood and, you know, and just fly off the handle in front of a, a stranger or somebody that's kind of knows you or whatever. Maybe somebody in church who sits on the other side. And, and then they just think, well, that person is just mean. Or that person is just unkind. They defined you by one moment in time, and that's who you are, and so they will tell you that. People define people. We're always defining people, or we could say it another way. We're always judging people, and we should not be. Hallelujah. Talking where we are all living at today. This is the thing. We should all get our identity from Jesus and no one else. What does Jesus say about you? Because that's who made you. That's who made you. You know, if I have an issue with some product, uh, let's just say uh, your, your microwave, your LG microwave. You don't go to uh, GE manual and try to figure out your, your microwave issues. No, you go to the owner's manual. Who made it? Who made it? So likewise, we have to go to the Word of God, the owner's manual, to find out everything about you. You don't go to other people. You know, I mean, that person doesn't. And don't get me wrong. Everybody likes people to like you. I mean, I don't know too many people go, you know, I'm going to see how many people I can get to hate me today. <laughs> I've met some people that I thought that's what they were trying to do, but, you know. But anyway, you know, no, most people don't do that. Most people don't do that. But we really, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have a clue, including myself, and I've been doing this for a long time. Man, I've been doing this. I was thinking about worship here. Didn't, the worship team, didn't they do a great job today? I just thought about, I, I guarantee you, I am more appreciative than the worship team than anybody in here. And yet, and I'll tell you why. When we first started the church at the holiday, that's not that funny, Sue. She, she's already, she got, she got this mental picture. Yeah, it's a nightmare for me. It's not a mental picture. But we were at the Holiday Inn. It wasn't, it's not the Holiday Inn. And we are all, Melody's on the piano. Danielle's, she's got a microphone. She's 12 years old. And I'm up on the stage with a microphone and going to lead people to sing. It's not a pretty picture. And I just think, man, thank you. 
I was sitting there worshiping, just, Lord, I'm so thankful for the worship team. Oh, and I had that picture of me standing up there, and I'm just, just getting, it just gives me the ibby-jibbies. I mean, just like, I don't even like thinking that thought, much less just trying to relive it. I go, no, get thee behind me, Satan. But it, you just have to get a... People would say, man, you didn't sing very good. And people would say that, including family members. Where's the mute button? I wish I could run the sound, but I'm playing the piano. But anyway, uh, you have to get your identity from God. You have to get it from God because people will define you. And they're going to define you based upon what you've done or are doing. I heard one minister say this. He said, you may have done what they said, but you are not who they say you are. We're not. And this is why, you know, people say, well, I'm a sinner. No, I may sin, but I'm not a sinner. There's a big difference in that. People go, well, doesn't, if you sin, you're a sinner. No, I'm the righteousness of God. And if you have, just let me show you this way. If you know you're the righteousness of God and you still sin, being with a revelation that you're righteous will cause you to sin less than a person who does not think he's righteous and he's trying to do his best, but all in all he knows he's just a sinner. You tell me which one's going to have more victory in his life. Are you kidding me? Where are you seated? I mean, just like I said, the Bible says we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I mean, we read that, but do we have any kind of revelation or understanding about that? What does that mean? Well, one thing is this. It, it's, I believe it's a picture of Psalms 91 where it talks about that no plague shall come nigh your dwelling. That no harm shall come nigh. How can all of this blackness and darkness and evil not affect us in the world? It can only not affect us if we know where we are seated because that means everything else is beneath your feet. It's below you. It's below you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 and 6. It talks about in verse 3, you know, and, and before that, you know, how bad things are and how that, you know, you could be just, go up to verse 3. I'm trying to explain. Can you go up to verse 3? Ephesians 2, 3. I didn't give him that one. I need some Jeopardy music right now. (laughs) Among whom also we are once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh. There you go. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Then verse 4. It starts out in verse 4. But God. (laughs) Man. Just those two words. You know, I've been uh, all of this flesh and underneath the the nature of the flesh and just doing all this. But God. But God. So rich is, his, is he in his mercy 
because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. Verse 5, even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life which he quickened him, for it is by grace, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve that you are saved. Delivered from judgment. Let me just stop. Delivered from judgment. People, Christians are always talking, you know, they're going to, the judgment's going to come on them. The judgment, you know, I'm delivered from judgment. Sorry. We are delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. Verse 6. And he raised us up together. What's he talking about? God, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and then when he ascended after 40 days on this earth, he walked around for 40 days showing everybody that he was alive to over 500 people. He showed everybody he was alive. And then after the 40 days, the Bible said he ascended or he was raised up and was seated at the right hand of the Father of God. The Bible says as far as God is concerned, we were raised with him at that exact moment. And this verse says that. He made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. Man, the Lord was motivated to save us. He was not motivated to save us because of obligation, because of duty or responsibility or, or even pity. God didn't just have pity on us and say, I'm going to or I should save him. It was his intense love that molded him to save us. John 3.16, everybody can quote that. But do we really understand it? For God so loved the world that he gave. Why did he come? Nobody deserved it. Nobody, there wasn't a pocket of good people over here. No, it was just a wretched world and everybody was doomed and bound for hell. God loved us. He loved us. Hebrews 1.3. This is the Passion Translation. Passion Translation says this. The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor the exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. He holds, so if you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the best picture you'll get of God. He holds the universe together and, and expands it by the mighty power of his spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins, and then he took his seat on the highest throne of his right hand of the majestic one. When did God sit down? Or why did he sit down? It says that he accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sin. Sins. We are seated with Christ because our sins have been forgiven. That's why we have a rightful place with Jesus. It's because he cleansed us from all of our sins. But that makes us safe. Secure and firmly established because of our seated position. Because we, where we are at today. 
And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to have more victory in your life, you just need, all of us, we need to have a greater revelation of our identity, who we are, and where we are right now. If you don't, your circumstances will try to define you. If you're struggling financially, your circumstances will speak out loud to you. Have you ever had your checkbook talk to you? Man, I've looked at mine and I, in the past, and you just look at it and go, man, I can't afford this, and I can't do it. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And it's, it's, t- it's talking to you, honey. It will talk to you. It will talk to you. And it will tell you, you're just struggling financially. You just always are going to make it from paycheck to paycheck. It will talk to you. Circumstances try to talk to you. People will try to talk to you. Everybody wants to define you. Your circumstances want to define you. If you're constantly uh, battling some kind of illness, this is what it will, your body will try to tell you who you are. Well, I'm just a person of high blood pressure. Or I'm just a person fill in the blank. And that's your trying to define you. And guess what? If you don't respond, you'll go along with it. Just like we go along when people try to define us. We go along with what they say. Oh, you're not very smart. You're just not that, you're just not smart. And so you hear that over and over and over and over again. And you come to the conclusion in the back of your mind, I'm just really not that smart. You've let somebody define you, and you went along with it. Listen, whether it's sickness, whether it's your finances, whether it's, you know, how people are defining you, you and I don't mean talking back to people, you know, if they just say, you know, something, you know. I'm not going to tell you how to respond, but you need to be led by God. But if somebody says, you're just dumb, you know, you can just smile and say, I'm going to pray for you. Don't, even if you don't say anything, in your mind, you need to respond. Do not let people define you. Do not let your circumstances define you. Do not let your finances. I believe I'm prospering. I preach prosperity messages when, man, we were so tight. I mean, we couldn't go out to McDonald's. I know. And yet I'm preaching prosperity because I believe what the word says about Mike, not about what my circumstances are saying. This is what we have to believe. We have to believe that. You can't claim this Psalms 91 and be just a fearful, anxious person. Dad Hagemeyer tells this story. They were going on a, a bush trip. You know, and when you're going on a bush trip in Africa, you know, if it's raining really, really hard, there's no paved streets. Let me rephrase that. There are no streets. And so you have to sometimes drive through a field when you're way out and, you know, just you know you're going in the right direction. But based upon that, if it's really, really raining, even a four-wheel drive ain't going to get you there, honey. And so this one missionary, they were traveling together as missionaries. And so he was up, and it started pouring down rain. And he just said, well, I just took authority over this, this storm. And I just, I'm just really taking it. And just, I mean, Dad looked at this other missionary and said, I don't know what that guy's doing, but it ain't helping or going to do anything. 
Why? He wasn't praying and speaking in faith. He was fearful as all get out. My point is, you can't claim Psalms 91 and just be, oh, I'm just believing. I save the Lord. He's my refuge and my fortress. No, he's not. No, he's not. He is, but not for you because you don't really believe that. Now, don't get me wrong. If that's your starting point, that's a good place to start. But if you're speaking that day after year after decade and you're still fear, fearful, you're not going to see the man. Listen, Psalms 91 is not automatic. If it was, there wouldn't have been. I'm, I know there were some believers in, in the, the Twin Towers that, that died. And I do know, I've heard testimonies of people that something happened that they weren't in the Twin Towers and they were supposed to be. What, what is the conclusion? The conclusion is this. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to have a revelation of who we are, that we are in Christ, and we are seated, seated and relaxed in that position to keep us from all harm. And then we have to do a verse 2. I'm going to say something. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. What is a fortress? That is a place of protection. It is a place of protection. Listen to me. This is not to, to condemn or, or anybody that tragedy has happened to all of our families. Am I speaking to the right people? And so I'm not saying that, oh, if something happens, oh, you just, you really missed God or whatever. No, but I am saying that we can have protection supernaturally like we've never had before. Israel can only, could only dream of what we are living in today. And listen to me. The Hebrew culture back then, the shadow of the Almighty, shadow was a terminology of protection. You know, if you got some big prize fighter and he's close enough to protect you that you're in his shadow that's a good place to be if somebody's going to come against you you just look up to him and go they're coming that's the way it is with you and me and God we're in under his shadow we're under his shadow verse 2 says this is voice activated I will say of the Lord I just think we need to be reminded of this. Especially, you know, if the, you know, if they say, oh, it's flu season. Or COVID is coming back with a greater outbreak. This is the time you and me need to start saying something. You hear something on the TV. Oh, COVID is doing this. Oh, the flu's coming out here. And oh, everybody's catching this bug. And oh, there's this 24-hour bug, you know. That's the time you and I need to say something. Instead of going, oh, a lot of people do say something. Oh, I'll probably get it. I probably will catch that. No, you need to say something. I believe there's a higher protection than what the church has experienced. I believe, I, I'll get into it next week. I don't have time, but I'll just wet your whistle. You know, there's a, a time when, you know, when I was growing up that, we just believed everybody got sick and there's nothing you could do about it. And then when I, uh, when I was 
19. I, came, I went to a church that taught that, you know what, God wants you well. What? Yeah, God wants you well. And so there's that point of, oh, I believe that God wants me well, and now I believe that God will heal me. And then there's a higher teaching that comes along and says, God is not going to heal you, but he has placed healing on the inside of you, and it's up to you and me to believe that to be manifested in our body. And I believe there's even a higher one, that no sickness, no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. I believe it's possible. (laughs) Come on now. I said, I believe it's possible to never get sick. And there's going to be some people who disagree with that and just say, well, that's the most ridiculous thing. That's okay. You don't have to worry about it. You will get sick. But I believe, you know, I like what some people say. I'd rather shoot for the moon and be in outer space than shoot my foot and hit it every time. (laughs) What am I saying? Stretch yourself. And, honey, this is a stretch for me to say, man, I believe. Listen, but if you never say it because you're afraid, you know, well, what if I get sick? Listen, everything I teach, if I just fall over dead and every, oh, I guess it doesn't work. No, it still works. Your doctrine cannot be based. Listen to me now. Your doctrine can't be based upon what you see, feel, or even experience. You'll be changing your doctrine every week, and some people do. I don't believe in that healing stuff. I believed it, but, you know, I got sick, so I don't believe it anymore. Well, you can't be that way. We, our faith is in God. What you don't see, what you don't feel, what you don't taste, what you're, you, you can't explain it. You can't explain it, but you just know within your knower what the Word says. The Word says that this is in the Old Testament, by the way, that no plague, no sickness shall come nigh my dwelling. Man, I'm telling you, not only is it possible We need to start acting like that, believing that and saying that. You know, if everybody's getting sick, you know, and everything, you go into your house and just have a family meeting. I say, we just want to say and confess this. We're going to read Psalms 91 together, and we're going to say, we are going to say, no plague, no sickness comes nigh my dwelling. So verse 2 says it's voice activated. It's voice activated. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God and him, I trust. I'm going to trust God. And I'll just say this. This will help you in your trust factor. You know, I, I thank God for medication, medicine. But the Lord showed me this a few years ago is that I had a a lot of problems with headaches, and when I would get a headache, it would be like a migraine, and I'd be down for the day for eight hours at least. Eight to 12 hours, I would be done. And so when I start getting a headache, man, I mean, I would start popping anything and everything I could. Advil, two hours later, you Tylenol. 
two hours later, you, I mean, whatever you can find in the medicine cabinet, just, you just start popping it. And then the Lord really gave me a revelation about healing about 10 years ago. And let me just say this. I didn't realize I was putting more trust in a pill than I was putting in the word. This will help you. It helped me. So the Lord says, you know, I can help you, Mike. So I started listening to Andrew and different healing ministers in a whole different light. Like I never heard before instead of saying, yeah, I've heard that before. This is the problem with us believers. We have it between our ears, but we do not have it in our heart. We have it. You can quote more healing scriptures than anybody, but it's not a revelation in your heart. So you have to approach it a different way. Say, God, I really don't understand healing, so I need. I, I am going to seek it out, and I'm going to find it because I know it's not your will for, that means I'm done, um, to, I know it's not your will for me to be miserable in life. And so... I said, the next time I get attacked, I'm not going to trust in a pill. I'm going to trust in you. And so that would happen. And so for a sight, it took an hour. I would stand for an hour. I'm going over just a little bit, all right? Just so you know, I'm going over. This will help somebody. And so for an hour, I mean, my head would be throbbing. I mean, I would be in pain. But I would walk in my, you can, my family would probably tell you, man, Dad walks a lot. So I would be walking, and I would confess the word. I would reject the Bible says in James chapter 3. It says to resist, submit yourself to God, resist the devil. I resist this pain. My body is a temple of God. I will not allow this pain to stay in my head. I didn't look to God to deliver me. I looked to the delivering power that was already in me to be manifested, and it was up to me to enforce it. I said it was up to me, not to God. Oh, God, please help me. Help me. Because, man, I wore the throne room of heaven out. God, I pray you deliver me from this. Help me, Jesus. God, would you do this? Take this pain away from me. Cricket, cricket, cricket. You know why? Because he says the power. Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. So I believed that the power was in me, and I was going to use it. And so it took about an hour. Maybe two. And then after a few months, it got down to less than two hours. And then after a few months, it got less. And you say, well, man, that's bad. Honey, when you're down, down for eight to 12 hours, you're, you're on your way to victory. And so I got down to less than an hour. So it got down to less than 30 minutes. Listen to me. Start small. If you're looking for, if you get the slightest little twinge in, in your head and you pop a pill, just, let me just give you some advice. Just don't do that. Now, I know if you're working, you know, if it worked, okay, I didn't get that. But, man, if you're home, don't run to the med, you know, a headache's not going to kill you. There was times that I thought it would. If you're having a migraine, you think, I, this could kill me. Or maybe it would be better if I did die, you know, because you just have so much in pain. But listen to me. I had victory over that. 
Just start out small and start trusting him. Believe the word of God. And then you can graduate from that because, listen to me, if you can't trust God for a headache, what are you going to do when you get uh, cancer? And the doctor says, you got three months to live. I don't know about you, but thank God for his mercy. But, man, I think it's the will of God that we get a revelation of this right now. And I believe we can go to just, let's just keep going. Let's just keep taking the steps higher. I believe we can get to the point when everybody says, oh, man, everybody, there's a new bug. Listen, there's always going to be a new bug. COVID can go away, but there's going to be something else new. And it's not, the medicine's not going to be able to take care of it. Instead of Christians being in fear, we're going to say, that thing won't come in my house. That thing, I've adopted something that I heard Andrew say a couple of years ago. He said, I am a germ graveyard. When germs and disease comes on my body, it dies. So I say that every week of my life. I'm a germ graveyard. Germs die when they touch my body. All of this bug stuff, they die when it touches my body. I say it with my mouth. No, not going down the, the aisles of Walmart, you know. You know, you don't want people to go, what? Nothing. Nothing. Don't get flaky on it. But I say it in my house. I say it in my car, you know. When you're gassing up with a pump, I mean, there's 4 billion germs on that pump when you're gassing up. So when I'm done, every time I'm done, Germs die when they come in contact with me. Germs die when they come in contact with me. You got to tell yourself so your heart will start believing it. I'm going to say it again. You got to tell yourself so your heart will start believing it. It's got to get from here down inside of you. It's got to get inside of you. We have accepted just having knowledge up here. And the Bible says knowledge puffeth up. But you just got to go from knowledge to revelation. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Knowledge is great, but that's just the beginning. Revelation is what will set you free, and revelation is what will keep you well, healed, and whole. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word. We are believing during this time of teaching on Psalms 91. It will be a revelation to us. Father, you said that this is not my opinion, but you have said that no plague, no sickness shall come nigh our dwelling. That's your word, Father. If we truly believe that the word of God is true, then this should be a truth that is being manifest in our life. That the world may know we are followers of Christ because sickness doesn't come to that household. People will take notice. Father, help us to see that. As Paul prayed, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know. I pray for our church. I pray for everybody who's listening to this message. That we may know. And I believe we are knowing. Not with our brains, not with our minds, but we are knowing with our heart. 
I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.